Almighty God, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on our time together as we look into the Word of God. We pray that uh, the Word for your people in this present hour, for these people who are gathered here, that your present Word would be made manifest in the preaching of the Scriptures. Lord, anoint all our ears that we might be not just only hearers of the Word, but doers also. Come, Holy Spirit, in power. Bring glory to Jesus Christ. Yes. And Lord, in everything, we will be sure to give you praise, honor, and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we are very grateful for all your hospitality to us. Uh, I tried to eat all the different chili that was available. That was awesome. Uh, peppers, uh, they're, uh, that really is the gateway to my heart is through uh, uh, chili pepper. I love peppers. Those were great. They came from your garden, Josiah. And that your kids are wonderful, and we love meeting all of them and spending time with you. It was a, gr it was a great time last night. So we're very grateful. Uh, Father David and Sarah and Lisa and I are delighted to be here with you this morning. And we even have guests from Christ Church, but we're very happy about that. Uh, one of the regular parts of my ministry is just to remind people of stuff that they already know. And I think that that's a, a very biblical mandate, actually, because Paul did the same thing in Philippians 3. He says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. It's no trouble for me to remind people of the same thing over and over again, and it's safe for them. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm so good at reminding people and repeating myself that uh, my children say that I have repetitus A. So, uh, so let me remind you of the favor that God is pouring out on West Virginia right now. I'm sure that Mission Hope and uh, Hope Church in Charleston are just a portion of what God is raising up in various areas uh, through various other churches throughout West Virginia. But brothers and sisters, I think that you here in this room today, these families gathered here, are in the epicenter of a move of God. You're in the epicenter of a move from God. You might not think that, but you are. He has chosen you for such a time as this to declare His grace and His delight among a people who have literally had the hope beat out of. There has only been other, one other time in all of my ministry that I have been so moved by a particular emerging mission work to the point where I really felt the weight of God's glory on what was happening. And Lisa knows that that time was years ago when we were called to participate, uh, to participate in a very small scale with um, a mission in Armenia after the collapse of the Soviet Union. We had a very, I had a very similar sense of just the weight of God's glory and presence on that mission, as I feel today. Every time Mission Hope and the work in West Virginia comes up in conversation, uh, somebody starts crying. Um, now, I don't think it's because y'all are that bad. Uh, I, I think it's because God is putting the weight of His love for you and for the people of West Virginia on many Hearts. You already know that people have been driving through this state now for years, literally, and God has burdened them as they're driving 
to be praying out loud for you as they drive through West Virginia. And since the emergence of hands-free telephones in cars, it doesn't look strange when people pray out loud in a car driving through West Virginia anymore. They just think you're on the telephone. And you are. You're on the hotline. Hotline to the Lord. Because God loves, God loves this place. And He loves these people. We're talking about West Virginia. These tears are just God's love looking out of all of us. And I know you've felt it too. And it's not some patronizing, belittling, pat you on the head and bless your heart kind of love. It's the rich, sweet, mighty favor of God that we have seen over and over again from the first time it was fulfilled when Israel's Lord showed up in a forgotten, one-horse, hopeless, podunk village called Nazareth, of all places, and began declaring that the prophecy of Isaiah was being fulfilled in their midst. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is you, Mission Hope. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. This verse gets left out a lot of times. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places that are devastated. They will renew ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Doesn't that sound like a word to West Virginia this morning? I mean, it could have been written today. It is the Lord's favor that was set to music. What we feel right now is the Lord's favor I'm going to try not to cry through this whole sermon. (laughs) Stop it. Whatever you're doing. It's the Lord's favor that was set to music in a coal mining country called Wales during the Welsh revival over 100 years ago when an 18-year-old girl named Annie Davies sang out God's heart song for that nation. Here is love, vast as the ocean. Loving kindness as a flood. When the Prince of Life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood, who his love will not remember, who can cease to sing his praise, he can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. On the mount of crucifixion, fountains open. Do you know this song? Have you ever heard this? Fountains open deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's mercy, 
float a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above. And heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. Now my congregation doesn't let me sing anymore <laughs> from the pulpit. But that's God's heart song, I believe. Not just a hundred years ago in Wells, but today for West Virginia. And that is what God is doing in your midst today. In other words, God is speaking good news. God is declaring gospel over West Virginia. And that's why I love this reading from Mark's gospel that Father David read for us. It's the, Mark's, it's the uh, reading that's assigned for this Sunday in the Christian year. Because in spite of what you may have heard about this passage about the rich young ruler, it's not about tithing. It's not a way to get you to let go of a pocketbook. It's really a passage about the heart of the gospel. It is a passage about the heart of the gospel. Now, you need to know, as we look at this passage, that the rich man in this scripture is not the bad guy in the story. In fact, the Bible says in, in this place and nowhere else in any of Jesus' encounters with others in the New Testament, it says this, And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. What we are to see here is that actually this rich man stands in for us. Really, as far as the disciples who witnessed this event were concerned, he, repre he represented the best of us. He obviously respects and admires and reveres Jesus. I mean, he ran up to him, ran to him, fell at his feet in a, in a posture of reverence. He tells Jesus, I've kept Torah. I've kept the commandments. He appears to want more of God in his life. And, listen, he was indeed rich. Now, you need to know that for Jewish believers, wealth combined with piety, wealth combined with piety, as, as with this Torah-observant man, was seen as, as God's seal of approval on someone's life. Riches were a sign of God's blessing on those who feared and followed Yahweh. Just think about Abraham rich, rich beyond anybody's imagination. Think about Job, or at least at the beginning of the story of Job, and at the very end of the story of Job, Job was a very rich man. Look at Solomon. All these figures from Israel's past were wealthy as a sign of God's blessing and favor on them. But Jesus turns around and blows up their entire plausibility structure, their entire narrative framework when, it's, when it says this in verse 23 of Mark chapter 10. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were saying, wait a second, I don't think we heard that right. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, listen, how difficult it is, no qualifiers, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Now, the disciples were exceedingly astonished, which is Bible for the disciples had just had their minds blown. 
What they just heard Jesus say was that it's impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. That's right. It's impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I know you've heard the story that the eye of the needle spoken of here was really a gate in the walls of Jerusalem that was so small that a camel had to be unpacked before it could go through it. So that, therefore, we need to unburden ourselves of worldly things before we can enter the kingdom of God. Well, I am here to tell you today that that is hogwash. Maybe, maybe camel wash. Trust me, I'm a doctor. I, I know these things. There, is, there has never been, there was never such a gate attested in the ancient sources. It literally is a totally made up, and I, what I would call a preacher's story, from around the year 1500 A.D. It was concocted. So what Jesus meant when he said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven was exactly what his listeners heard him say. You can't put the largest animal in first century Palestine through the smallest opening you can think of in first century Palestine. It is impossible. So it is impossible for the rich to be saved, Jesus is saying. And if the pious rich represents the very best of Israel, then who can be saved? Then where does that leave everybody else? If this rich, if the rich are camels, then what kind of animal are we? Children, we're in a scrape. We're in a scrape. That's the bad news of the good news. You can't do it, but God can do anything, Jesus says. It's West Virginia. It's beautiful music. (laughs) You can't do it, but God can do anything. Listen to what the scripture says again in Mark chapter 10, verse 26 and following. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, the truth is you can't do anything at all except surrender your life completely to Jesus Christ and come and follow me, he says. All you can do is drop your possessions. All you can do is drop all your pretense. All you can do is discard your self-importance. All you can do is let go of every illusion of self-sufficiency. All you can do is release every false security. All you can do is depose every addiction that you use to make life bearable. All you can do is throw it all down at the foot of the cross and say, that's it, I can't do it. God, I need you to be God. I I go on a prayer hike every uh, Friday, try to anyway, and I was praying, uh, and that was my prayer uh, this Friday as I I hiked, was, God, I just need you to show up and be God. I can't do it. God, I need you to be God. I've tried being God in my life. I've tried worshiping pleasure or power or money or security or family, and I'm worse off than when I started. God, I just need you to show up and be God. In other words, listen, we are all camels now. We're just a pack of camels. That was a pun, and I meant it. In fact, you know what uh, Winston-Salem's nickname is? Camel City. 
I live in Camel City. We are all camels now. But be of good cheer. God has made it His business to do the impossible. Our God keeps shoving camels through needles' eyes. He is in the camel-threading business. Israel's Redeemer came into the world. Listen, Israel's Redeemer came into the world, entered into history through the eye of a needle. God placed all of His fullness within the needle's eye of a virgin's womb. The uncontainable, limitless creator God of the universe threaded his glory, and I'm going to just say it, through the eye of the virgin's birth canal. An ancient Christian song, You were made more spacious than the heavens, O most pure virgin, for God, can, for God cannot be contained by the whole universe, and yet He chose to be contained in your womb for the sake of our salvation. God keeps shoving camels through the eyes of needles. And on Mount Calvary, God erected the narrow needle through which He would thread the salvation of the cosmos. In that sliver of time on Good Friday, through the narrow wood of the old rugged cross, God poured out infinite grace and the salvation of the whole world on the Mount of Crucifixion. Floodgates opened deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's mercy flowed a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above and heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love through the needle of the cross. And God saves all his broken, tarnished creation, and chiefly all of us ornery camels, only through the cross. The cross is the eye of the needle of the world through which we must all pass in order to have eternal life. We are all camels now, and only this wild, out-of-control God has the power and even the desire to shove us through the needle's eye of salvation. So West Virginia, come to the cross. Come through the eye of the needle. Yes, the cross is a narrow way. It's about this wide. And it's the only way. But it's more than big enough for both the pious and the wicked rich, for the self-congratulatory cultural elites, for the addicted and self-destructed, more than wide enough for the forsaken and forgotten, more than wide enough for the working poor and the unemployed, more than wide enough for the sin-ravaged and suicidal, more than big enough to pass through and find eternal life. Life that is so abundant that even death can't overcome it and so real and relevant that you don't have to die in order to get it. Mission hope, that's the message of God's favor that you have to share with West Virginia. There is no way to do any mission. There's no way to do any ministry without sacrifice. We are all... In some, in some way, you are all giving up something by staying here and loving these people. Most of you could probably go somewhere else. 
but you're giving up something by loving these people, staying here, loving this place with the, street, with the sweet, strong favor and love of God. You're leaving something behind, but you cannot outgive God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left a house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands or an arch-rich community with lots of coffee bars and a kombucha bar. There's a kombucha bar in, in, in Nashville. Who knew? I mean, it's in, a, it's in an herbal tea shop. I felt, like, I felt so holistic just being there. <laughs> no one has left these things for my sake or for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Mission Hope, God loves you. He has entrusted you with the mystery of salvation, with a tremendous outpouring of his favor for this time and this place. And he has a reward for you that you cannot imagine as you faithfully fulfill your call. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.